show where we dish out tips and advice for mystical business owners and service providers. You might be asking yourself, what's a mystical business owner exactly? Well, if you work as a tarot card reader, astrologer, a Reiki healer, intuitive counselor, an oracle, a medium, you know, if you're doing any kind of spiritual or mystical art as part of your profession, we're talking about you. I'm Teresa. And I'm Bree. Hi, everyone. We've both been self-employed, running our own mystical businesses for decades. That is true. And we both know what goes into running a successful mystical business. We know how much courage it takes to put yourself out there, to promote yourself, and get clients and customers knocking on your door. And we also know that mystical business owners face unique challenges, like when you have to deal with people who don't understand or respect what you do, people who think you're a total whack job or a fraud, or people who try to haggle with you or push you to give away your services for free. It can be a tough world out there for mystical entrepreneurs. We get it, peeps. We get it. So we do this show together once a month because we love sharing the business strategies and techniques that we've learned over the years. And we love seeing our fellow mystics thrive and succeed. And our philosophy is this. When someone in our mystical business community rises up and shines and makes great money and makes our industry look good, we all benefit. And we can all learn from what they're doing right. Now, in each episode of Talking Shop, we tackle a different topic, and we often feature a special guest. Today's topic is SEO know-how. And today's guest is Liz Lockard of LizLockard.com. Thanks for tuning in to listen, and let's get this show started. Welcome, Liz. Thank you so much for joining us tonight. Hey, thanks for having me. Happy to be here. We are so happy to have you, and I just want to say to people who are listening, uh, I took a class with Liz Lockard a couple years ago, and, you know, I've always been super intimidated by SEO. You know, the whole idea of Google Analytics and all that stuff just made my head spin. And when I took the class, it was really amazing. Uh, It was a very, very well-done class, and everything was explained so clearly that I really started learning what I needed to do to raise my SEO. And what ended up happening, and Liz, you're going to be pretty surprised here. Now, since that time, uh, about a, I would say about a year after the time I worked with you, I started seeing my stats rise 10,000 a month, right? So that's a pretty big stat rise in, in uh, just a little under a year's time. And now it's been, I think, about two years, and my stats have bumped up almost another 10,000. So since I've worked with Liz about two weeks, yeah, about two years ago, they've now bounced up approximately 20,000 hits on my site uh, per month. And when you search tarot, my name is coming up on like the third or fourth page, which is pretty good because tarot is a pretty common word. So I just wanted to say for people who are listening, she's got a wonderful course. We'll talk about that later. But this is why we wanted Liz on the show is because I've seen the results in my business from what I've learned from Liz. So I just wanted to say that about you, Liz. Well, thanks. Um, Well, I'll say that, you know, it's you who did the work, who put it in, who got it done. Um, You know, there are plenty of people who can just sit and and listen and and not actually do anything, and then they don't see results, and that's disappointing. But um, it's definitely kudos to you for doing it. And then also – I want to say very strongly, 
um, to everyone listening, like your mileage may vary. It might, uh, you know, take a little longer. You might get results sooner. You might have a more competitive niche. Um, there's so many factors that can go into it, but I at least attempt to try and make things simple um, to help you get more of the actual traffic you want of clients you're actually trying to attract. So I'm happy to be here and talk a little bit more about that. Yay. Well, we are very happy to have you, both because Teresa knows and adores you and adores your work and has seen the results, and also because this is a very intimidating topic for a lot of our audience members. So I thought a good place to start would be if you could just, in a nutshell, explain to our listeners exactly what SEO is and why it matters for your business. Sure. Um, so really simply, um, SEO stands for search engine optimization. And that's really just a fancy word for trying to get found by your ideal clients uh, through sites like Google. Um, and the big deal is <laughs> that uh, I don't know if you've uh, come across the latest stats on how many people are using uh, sites like Google, but Google itself has over 3 billion searches a day. So if you're not showing up on those results, your competitors are more than happy to take your place. So, um, you know, it's definitely a huge channel. Um, when you take a few simple steps, you can definitely start to get some traction from it. Um, but the other thing that's kind of cool about um, SEO is that it really is the only marketing channel that continues to work for you kind of after you press pause on it, right? Like if you've tried Facebook ads, um, or other push style marketing, that stuff stops when you run out of money or it stops when you start hustling to all those impersonal events or things like that. Um, SEO kind of has a snowball effect that continues to send traffic your way, even when you're not actively um, doing SEO actions. I think that's really important for us to know because, you know, when people start really trying to market their businesses, a lot of the times what they're thinking about is I have to do Facebook ads, I have to do, you know, Twitter or social media, and they don't even think about something as simple as good SEO and how that can work really well for attracting your clients in a much easier, organic way. Yeah, yeah, I would absolutely agree with that. Um, I think as long as you know who it is that you're trying to attract, then SEO can be a really good fit for you. Let's go over some of those little basics around knowing who you're trying to attract and, you know, all of that stuff. You know, how can you begin getting better traction on your site and attracting the people who are really going to be interested in your work? Sure. Um, So I think, you know, kind of with any marketing strategy, um, it's most effective when you start to really dig into who it is that you're trying to attract. Um, So that way, you know, six months from now, a year from now, when you're looking at the results, even if your uh, visits have increased, if they haven't increased from the right people, you're not actually going to see that same impact um, on your actual bottom line, like in your bank account. Um, So when we talk about SEO and trying to get to know our ideal clients, some of the things that is helpful to know is to know things like what is the language that they're using when they're talking about your area of expertise? Um, and not just how they talk to you, but can you uh, observe them in their natural environment, if you will, like in a Facebook group <laughs> that they hang out in or something like that, um, where you can just see them casually talking about it and using that language, 
you know, on your website to make sure that you're kind of matching your people and not people that just kind of sound like they're uh, theoretically or academically your people, but they're not actually going to be clients for you. Um, so definitely the language is one area that's important to get to know your customers in. Um, the other thing is where are they hanging out online? Um, so when it comes to SEO, there's really three pieces of the SEO, re SEO recipe, if you will. Um, one is the language that you use on your site, that keyword stuff. Um, one is the text stuff, which can get a little complex, but there's some simple things you can do there. And then the third is um, basically links back to your site from other relevant sites that Google thinks is uh, already has a strong opinion about. So, you know, a link from the New York Times is going to be a lot more impactful for you um, than, say, the link from your nephew who just launched a site last week. So things like that. But even more relevant SEO-wise when it comes to getting links for your site is taking that approach and then also adding the layer of where what are sites that are strong, but are also sites where my ideal clients are hanging out. That's really good advice. And But could you explain what a keyword is so our audience understands sure, yeah. what that is? Sure, absolutely. So um, if you've dabbled at all in SEO, you've probably come across the word keyword, but a keyword is new for you. Um, keywords are simply the words that people type into Google that then, uh, you know, give you back a result. So if you're looking for, um, you know, a good bakery in Seattle, you might go to Google and say, bakeries near Seattle. Bakeries near Seattle would be your keyword. Um, so that's the phrase that you type into Google. It's also the phrase that you try to use um, on a particular page in your site to kind of match up with that result on Google. So for me, like doing something like Tarot Reader in Milwaukee, if I have something saying that on my site, when Google is scanning, they're going to be looking for something like that, and that means basically if somebody is typing in those words, they, they'll, Google will help them direct to me because it's on my site, correct? Yeah, yeah, to put it in, in its most simplest form. There's definitely uh, lots of other things you can do to give even more votes to your site, but yeah, if you have a page that's kind of talking about your location and talking about what you do at your location, that would certainly be a great fit for that. Got it. And if you have like a blog post that where you're talking about a specific, maybe you're talking about the best cinnamon rolls in Seattle, then you want, that would be your keyword, right? So exactly. exactly. would go yeah. to that post, so, yeah. One of the most common mistakes I see um, with people who are new to SEO and trying to use keywords on their website is that they use a particular phrase um, on, uh, they try to target a particular phrase on every single page of their website. Um, and that tends to send a confusing signal for Google. So I would say um, wherever you can, try to stick to one phrase per page. It's not always possible, but um, you know, have one page that's your um, tarot reader in Miami page. Have another one um, that is your, you know, Cinderella in Seattle page. This is a, a very uh, multi-interest business. <laughs> I'm describing <laughs> really trying to, you know, narrow in on one focus per page or post where possible. When of course there's going to be some natural overlap. 
That's and that's you know that's one helpful. of the mistakes I was making uh, in the beginning where I think Tara was my keyword for every page, which mm-hmm. you know wasn't working. So I did change that up, and it really helped a lot. That's excellent advice. Yeah, mm-hmm. it does. It kind of does two things. It does one where Google suddenly respects that page more because it's it's got a clear idea that that is the one page on your site that's about that topic. And the other thing it does is that it opens you up to target a lot more very related phrases that kind of widens your net of potential searches that you can capture. I like it. So along the same lines, what is the easiest way to track your SEO? So the uh, freest way (laughs) is with Uh Google Analytics, so google.com slash analytics. Um, It can be a little techy, but really you're just looking to see how how is your Google organic traffic? Where are those numbers uh, going? Are they going up? Are they going down? Um, And as long as you have that on your site, which I know it can be a little intimidating, but it's as simple as just like copying and paste a set of code onto your site. You don't even have to understand the code. You can just (laughs) go to google.com slash analytics. They'll ask you to sign up. They'll say, okay, here, paste this thing on your site, and you can just copy and paste blindly pretty much. It really um, does not need um, tech assistance if you're you're willing to to do that. But um, once you have that on your site, then Google Analytics can start counting um, what visits are coming from where. So that's kind of the simplest way um, to track what's going on with search visits. And for people, if they do take um, a gander at Liz's world online, and if they take her class, you'll learn more about really how to go in and understand Google Analytics. So uh, it really helped me to – it was all Greek to me, let me tell you, when I first started learning this stuff. And uh, – I now know how to go into Google Analy- <laughs> Analytics and understand exactly what it's saying about my site and about who's who's going there and how they're getting there and you know what keywords are driving them to my site and sometimes it's really surprising which keywords bring people to my site. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, and I have I have like some free resources on my site. Like I have a free Google Analytics Quick Start course people can take. Um, but inside. Um, the course that you took, Teresa, like that's, I think, where that extra layer goes, where I, that's kind of my, my audience is the people who definitely want more traffic, but get held up by the tech stuff. So I know sometimes it can help to have a little bit more handholding and encouragement and a place to share screenshots and things like that. So that's pretty much why that course came to be. Right, and and I'm a visual learner, and so I that really helped me a lot because again, if you're just talking about analytics in my brain, my brain starts going into a lot of different, you know, very scared directions. So <laughs> um, it was really nice to have that um, shown really so clearly. Yeah, and my brain uh, does that when it comes to accounting, so I totally get that feeling. <laughs> You know, the funniest thing is you can put a, a – now, this is where it doesn't make any sense. When it comes to accounting and bookkeeping, I'm an ace at that. But coming <laughs> up to some of this tech stuff, it, it really took a it took a lot of hand-holding to get down with that. We must so, have yin and yang brains or something like that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. You know what that, that means? We could probably live together really well. I'll handle the books. You take care of the tech stuff. Sounds great. 
let's talk about some of the things that might get Google's attention. Now, you already mentioned about having links to your site from a really relevant site. Like, for example, if I had a story in the New York Times about me linking back to my site, that's going to get Google's attention. What other things might get Google's attention and help start moving your page up in ranking? Sure. So if you were totally new to SEO, um, it's probably most impactful to focus in on the actual outreach piece, the, the link building piece. Um, and I know getting a link from New York Times sounds impossible. Um, I promise it's not, but there's also some much easier things you could go after um, to start to build um, your reputation. So the first thing you have to ask is, you know, definitely who is my ideal client? So maybe we've already tackled that. Um, the next kind of filter you need to have is, am I looking to attract traffic from anywhere in the world? Do I serve a global audience or do I really only work with local people? Because the things you do for SEO, um, it's the same principles, but the actual tactics are slightly different if you're going for local or if you're going for kind of national traffic. Um, I don't know, Teresa, if you have um, a good sense of where your audience normally is. Is it mostly local? Is it global? Or is there no real preference? My, my audience is global. Most of it's in the okay. U.S., but uh, I have a lot of clients in Australia and you know all over but uh mostly us but uh local business and you know again many different parts of the world i might be working with someone from holland one day and new york city and then i might be talking to someone right here in milwaukee or maybe even down in texas by brie so it's all over the place um and the and the people listening in do you think they are looking for local traffic or national traffic i'm happy to talk to both but some of them definitely are looking for local. Uh, in fact, I, I see I see Trisha here online, and I know that she is looking to build up her local business and, okay. uh, you know, get involved in, like, fairs and, and getting people to come and work with her locally. So I know that. Okay. So mm -hmm. basically um, when when you're talking about trying to build up your Google's opinion of you in the search results, um, we do that mostly by – um, getting other sites to link to us. Um, when um, we do that locally, um, there's a little bit of a twist to it where we make it clear um, where we're located on our site by having um, an address on our site, um, as well as getting local listings, like if you um, are on Yelp or Google um, Places or uh, Google Plus Business listing or um, other local uh, media that can specifically uh, kind of point to you and, you know, they're, they're the local newspaper or something, so they already have um, a reputation of being local and important to Google, so that kind of gets passed to you. So that's kind of the twist for local is just that it's a little bit address-based. Um, but what works for both local and national is getting on sites that are relevant to your audience as well as um, is strongly favored by Google. So um, there's several different ways you can do this. Um, and it's, I think it starts, it's easiest for me um, if I start by, um, and this is going to, to sound odd, but I promise it's totally uh, normal. Uh, I start by stalking my ideal client, but in like the friendliest way possible. <laughs> um, 
So like what I'm talking about is not real life stalking because that's that's kind of really not so good. But um, talking about uh, social media like stalking. So um, do you know um, some groups that your ideal audience is in? Do you um, know some people on Twitter or something like that? And then just kind of see like who are they following? Um, what pages do they follow? Things like that. And that can start to give me ideas of where I might want to pitch myself. So maybe I see that they follow a site that is often looking for people to write articles for them. So maybe I pitch myself to write an article or something like that. Um, but I think starting with who your ideal customers are already following is a great place to start for SEO. That's solid advice. Yeah. Yeah, super helpful. So so then what about the opposite? What are the things that you might do or you might not be doing that can really hurt your site's ranking? Sure. So in general, my approach to this is to treat the Internet like you'd like to be treated. Um, so <laughs> when, when I say that, I really just mean like, don't be icky. Like, if you are ever doing anything that makes you feel just a little bit icky when it comes to SEO, that's probably a sign that you're doing something that's a bit spammy, that eventually, even if it works now on Google, eventually Google will catch up and close that loophole. Um, so, you know, don't be icky. Don't hire icky firms that won't tell you exactly what they're doing to help you with your SEO. Don't put the same word a million times on your page just because you think a Google robot will like it. You know, don't submit your site to a million, like, random directory sites that aren't actually real sites your ideal clients are on. Um, just, you know, just have the icky, <laughs> the icky barrier when you're looking at what to do for your site is the most, uh, I think, general tip I can give uh, across so many different things you might hit trouble in. What's black hat black SEO? Black hat. Black, black hat. That is the ickiest form of SEO. <laughs> um, so in the SEO world, people talk about black hat SEO, and they talk about white hat SEO. And basically, white hat SEO, um, it, it sounds like you know, like an old Western movie or something where we have yeah, these like, totally. villains fighting each other, right? Um, so white hat SEO uh, is really what I would call modern SEO, which is the SEO that I talk about doing. It's the stuff that's um, ideal client focused and what I would call forever SEO. So the stuff that you're doing now isn't going to, you know, turn around and bite you um, in a couple of months or even years when Google closes a loophole. Black hat SEO is the people who have a much higher risk tolerance, <laughs> um, who love gaming, the, the algorithm and purposely try to trick Google into uh, getting them higher rankings. Now, occasionally, these people are successful in the short term. Maybe they rank well for a day, a week, a month. Um, but eventually, Google catches up and uh, penalizes their site. So not only do they close a loophole and then you don't get the same results naturally, but they'll recognize that you're doing spammy behavior and manually make you lower in the results across everything um, until you kind of clean things up and you submit yourself back um, for a review. But, you know, that's a process that can that can take years, honestly. So white hat and real people SEO is definitely the way to go. 
Right on. So if I understand correctly, Black Hat SEO is kind of like, it's really, it's more technical and it's more like gaming the system of Google itself. And you're not really even thinking about your clients or your customers or your offerings or your services. You're just thinking about how to manipulate the bot. Yeah, exactly. Like uh, some of the strategies, um, they, they definitely do have a bit of a technical slant most of the time where um, people are creating like several fake webs of sites that are attracting random links automatically um, that then all point to your site and things like that. Um, but that's why it's really, really important that if you ever do work with someone to do SEO for your site, that they are totally on board with telling you every single thing that happens that they're doing for your site because whatever actions they're taking is on behalf of your site and your business. So even long after you stopped working with them, it's still on you to carry the, the outcome of whatever it is that they did. So let's talk a little techie stuff here. You know, a lot of, I think a lot of sites are based on WordPress and um, I know there are plugins and plugins are these things you can add to your site to make it, you know, do different behaviors. Um, so let's talk about SEO plugins that you might recommend and any advice you have around those. Sure, yeah. So I'd say um, if, you're, if you're looking at um, what website platform to be on, definitely WordPress, like you said, is probably the, the best from a tech standpoint. I will say that Squarespace now is kind of a close second, so you're not too bad off if you're on Squarespace. Space. But if you're on WordPress, I would say my number one plugin recommendation for you would be the Yoast, which is toast with a Y, <laughs> Yoast uh, <laughs> plugin for SEO. Um, that's definitely the best one. If for some reason that causes an issue on your site, like there's a conflict or it just messes something up, um, a good second choice is all in one. Um, but if you can make it work, I would go with uh, Yoast if you can. Yeah, I actually yeah, have it. I have it. I love it. Mm-hmm. It's very simple, too. So for people who uh, might have a WordPress site and they download it, you know, again, once once again, you might come into it thinking, oh, my God. And it's like, no, 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 it's it's really easy. It's a super smart plug-in. And um, once I installed that, too, that really did help a lot, a lot. Yeah. And when you go through the settings of that, I would say, <laughs> unless you um, feel like you know what you're doing, don't mess with too many of the default settings because they, they're kind of doing their best recommendations for you. Um, but I'd say, like, you know, no plugin is really going to pull your SEO weight for you if you're not doing things like, um, you know, choosing keywords that are based on your ideal client's language and then using a plugin to help you target those. Um, and then, you know, if you're also not actually seeking out other opportunities to get sites to link back to, a plugin also isn't going to actually take you that far. So plugin helps with the tech stuff, but it's also not always the most important action to focus on. That was going to be my question. You know, was I think that sometimes there's an attitude, especially from people who don't really want to deal or think about SEO, that, well, I'll just get the plugin and then kind of not, you know, not do anything else. And so I think that that's really a helpful point that, you know, this is a tool, but this is not going to give you, like, your strategy. 
Yeah, I think mostly what um, the plugins help is they kind of help you unblock any like technical hurdles that might have been in your way between your site communicating to Google. But then once those are clear, the plugin doesn't take you any further um, with SEO. It's kind of just like, okay, you're in the car and you put the key in and you turned it over and the engine's on, but it's the outreach and the content on your site that are actually going to take you out of the driveway. I'm taking yeah. notes, by the way. <laughs> Listen, I'm still, you know, it's really know. funny. You can still learn things, even though I've been fiddling with uh, SEO, and, and I'm learning here about this, the outreach and the content is so important. I love that you're emphasizing that. Yeah, yeah. and I think also um, it makes it, I mean, that stuff, is, you don't need a techie side to be able to do that stuff, right? Like, you don't need to be techie to write content that your customers are going to be into or that resonates with your customers. You don't need to be techie to find a website where your ideal clients are hanging out and pitch them to, to feature you. It's, you know, it's, I think it's the more impactful often and also less intimidating parts of SEO. Right, right. Absolutely. So, if your site isn't a WordPress site, then what strategies would you employ to get better SEO? Um, well, I'd say if you're not on WordPress, um, when I say WordPress, I mean WordPress.org, not .com. If your website is like a something.wordpress.com, all the SEO effort in the world isn't going to actually help you that much. So there's just a lot of technical limitations on that site. So um, if you're not on something like WordPress, if you're not on something like Squarespace, uh, if you you can, if you have your own domain name, so if you have your own uh, website name, like I'm at LizLocker.com, and I know Tracy, you're, you're uh, the Tarot Lady, or is it just Tarot Lady? Yeah, it's the Tarot Lady.com. Mm -hmm. The Tarot Lady.com. So if you have your own .com or .org or .net, um, then the other actions that you're doing, like the outreach that's pointing back to your site, those will carry with you no matter what platform you're on. But, um, you know, the actual tech pieces um, and the keyword stuff is going to be harder to optimize on some other platforms. So I would say if you're not in a stage where you can um, afford to switch to a more SEO-friendly platform, I would say that you would want to focus on the outreach piece um, and then wait to really focus on the others until you're on a, a techier platform. That's super helpful. So, you know, let's say you have clients that you really love. I mean, we're talking about doing outreach. We're talking about plugins and that. What would be your advice on how to get leads from clients you love? Um, I think it comes down to talking to them. So whether that's in person, whether that's over email, whether that's on the phone, whether that's on social media or in a Facebook group or something like that, um, I think when you talk with them and really understand them and communicate back their pain points or what they're struggling with, um, and then kind of, uh, you know, invite them to solve that with you, you know, no matter your communication channel, I think that's always a solid way to go. 
Right on. So we're going to have a little time for um, questions. And so if there's anybody who's listening in who would like to ask Liz a question, you can hit star seven to talk. Uh, that will unmute you. So if you are have a burning question, please do that. Uh, otherwise, what I want to do is I want to talk a little bit about this program that you have coming up. You're going to be opening the doors again soon. Can you tell us more about it, Liz? Sure, yeah. Um, so your SEO roadmap um, is my program that I do where I walk you through basically all of the stuff we've talked about, like what is the actual recipe to SEO, how do you actually go about implementing it, how do you create um, a content strategy that's actually going to work that's based on your ideal client's language, but also how do you do that whole keyword research thing, um, how do you do the tech stuff, walking you through step-by-step -step of that, no matter your platform. Um, and then, you know, also walking you through the specifics of outreach and how do you do that and how do you actually track the things that are working. So pretty much like everything you need to know about SEO and it also comes with Facebook uh, support group with me in it. So really trying to help you go from starting to tinker with it to actually do some impactful action. And I will also say that the Facebook group is great. It's updated all the time. And when I do pop in there, there's always some new piece of information. And there's something that uh, I did want to ask you about. Now, pop-ups. Sure. Let's talk about yeah. pop-ups because I know that pop-ups, um, there's a lot of, like, thing about, oh, my God, pop-ups, Google doesn't like them anymore, blah, blah, blah. I'm, I'm glad I just remembered that because it, it just popped up in the Facebook group recently. Can you tell us yeah. about this pop-up controversy? Sure. So this rolled out earlier this year year. Um, so basically Google is starting to dip its toe into having an opinion on how you, uh, what the design of your site is. And I don't necessarily agree with it, but you got to play <laughs> Google's game since they're like 80 plus percent of the, of the search market. So basically it comes down to uh, Google doesn't want your visitors, its visitors, right? Because uh, Google, the people who search on Google are basically Google's uh, audience as well. They don't want their visitors to click over to sites that are just a terrible experience that don't actually get them their answer. And one of the things Google thinks is bad for that is if they click over to a site and then, especially when they're on mobile, it's really more of a mobile thing. If I'm on a mobile um, website, if I click over, if I'm on a mobile and I click over to a website from the search results and I instantly hit some crazy pop-up that isn't really formatted for mobile and it's hard to close. That's the sort of stuff that Google is now starting to actually um, manually push those sites down in the search results. So if you are using something like a pop-up, which is really great for getting um, some email marketing leads, I would definitely recommend um, either at a bare minimum <laughs> disabling it for mobile or working with someone who can kind of read through the details of Google's guidelines and make something that, that'll really work for your site. And mobile is so important too. I know that I have to do some tweaking on my site for mobile, but it's so important for your business because so many people now we use our phones. Yeah, yeah. I would say if you're if you're doing a new site, you definitely want to make sure that you're incorporating mobile. Um, but if you're, you know, worried about how much of a deal it is for your own site, um, something like Google Analytics can easily tell you 
whether people are, you know, visiting your site um, through mobile a lot or not to help you um, really decide whether or not you need to, to make it a priority this month or whether you can wait a little bit. We just got a question in, too. Um, hi, Liz. I don't use Google Analytics. I use the site stats on my WordPress Jetpack. Is that just as good? So I'm going to tell you that no, it's not, because let's think, let's think about if you ever move away from WordPress, right, or if you ever switch up your site. Jetpack is going to sit in WordPress. So Google Analytics is not tied to any particular, um, you know, site system. You can take it with you no matter where you go. Um, so that's one of the primary reasons I would say it's better. Um, there's also just a lot more you can do with Google Analytics in terms of um, really tracking the difference between your paid traffic from Facebook versus your unpaid or tracking things like your email campaigns versus somebody else's and things like that. I mean, there's so many things you can do, but that's just a few examples of why I would definitely recommend using Google Analytics, at least um, in addition to your Jetpack. That is great advice. And we have no other questions in and no one's raising their hands. Um, Bree, do you have any other questions about SEO? I do. I'm I'm interested in knowing what, and I know that this is going to vary to some degree based on a lot of different variables, but what do you consider kind of basic minimum SEO maintenance? So I'm thinking like, how often do you want to see people checking in with their analytics? And, and I mean, obviously, like any time a new page goes up or a new post goes up, you want to see people set a keyword, um, you know, like, you know, do the slug, give a little description, like all of those things. But, but, you know, just as I'm thinking of the rhythm of business, like how often do you like to see your people checking in with their stats and then making changes based on what they see? Sure. Um, so I think that goes back to what's your own frequency of action? How how much effort are you doing in a set time? Like if you're only pitching one uh, website a month, uh, you're not going to see that much of an uptick after a month, right? You might, might maybe after six months. Um, but if you're pitching five sites a week, then certainly after a month you might see an uptick. Um, so I think it goes back to what your own rhythm is when it comes to these things, and then just making sure that you set, um, you know, a regular uh, check-in that makes sense. And you can figure that out very easily by, like, the first few times when you check and you don't see anything happening, um, you know, from any of the stats, whether it's just uh, your impressions in the search results or the actual visits to your site are going nowhere. Um, but in general, I'd say for me, um, SEO maintenance takes me maybe four hours total a month, like one hour a week, um, and that includes checking in on my stats. Um, I do that about once a month. Um, I think doing it more often can drive you crazy <laughs> or just mm -hmm. make you a little worried about things that just haven't really settled into a trend yet. Um, 
but yeah, I know that's kind of a roundabout answer, but it's mostly just it depends and you got to find a rhythm that works for your own pace. Yeah, no, that's really helpful. And I, I have another one. Um, we've talked about this on the show before. How does blogging more frequently or less frequently or adding pages to your site more frequently or less frequently affect SEO and your Google ranking or does it affect those things? Good question. Well, it definitely affects those things. Um, and I, uh, I would say um, it's less important than most new people, new to SEO people think it is. So I know that blogging is like a comfortable thing often for people to do. Like when you think about the three big uh, pillars of what you can do in SEO. Like there's the, the writing stuff for your site that falls into the content keyword stuff. There's the tech stuff, and then there's the, the scary pitching yourself to other sites thing. Of those options, most people fall into a comfort zone of just blogging. Um, and while blogging about topics that your ideal audience um, is going to be into, if you don't already have a bit of traction on your website, you're basically blogging into the void. So I would say um, for most new people to kind of scale back just a, just a hair on your existing blogging schedule, maybe just like by 25%, right? Like if you usually do one a week, maybe do three a week, and then use that last week to really push yourself on doing outreach or something like that to, to help you, um, you know, get more traction on SEO before you start to cast a wider net of people to catch. Really good advice. Super solid. Yeah. Yeah, I think, you know, I, I think that the reaching out to people or the being featured by the right people is is so often overlooked because it is intimidating. But I've had experience with people who had big names in my industry or in an industry that's related, right, where there's a lot of crossover in our audience, who have promoted my work and it's like, you know, accomplished in a few hours what a lot of internal, you know, writing and keyword tinkering would accomplish in six months. So I, I do think that that's a really important step. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the, the cool thing about outreach is that it has that immediate impact, right? So, like, you got, um, you know, a big name to, to mention you. So you get, like, immediate traffic visits from that. But then the SEO layer is that, you know, in a few months' time, Google has recognized that link and then passes, you know, authority to you, which basically just means it's kind of, like, giving you a little bit more of a thumbs up than it used to. So it starts to send you, um, you know, a bit more traffic in the long term as well. So there's kind of like a, a dual impact in, in the short term and then in the long term. And we have Trisha's raising her hand to ask a question. So let me unmute her. Hi, Trisha. Hey, Teresa. How are you? Good. How are you? I'm awesome. Thank you guys for doing this tonight. It's fantastic. Very educational. Do you have a question um, for Liz? Yeah, so I use GoDaddy, and they have their own SEO tools. Is it a good idea to use them and incorporate some of my own stuff or just use theirs? Um, so I'm not specifically familiar with what their tools are, but I'm guessing that they're probably some sort of tech-related thing. And I would say that um, – 
the, your mileage is not going to be very far with that. Um, I, are you on like a GoDaddy site? Is that is that the yes. site that you have? Yes. It okay. Is. So I would say um, probably this is the scenario we're talking about a little bit earlier. Um, where GoDaddy, uh, a GoDaddy site is probably not going to be the the best uh, landing page or landing area for an SEO uh, effort. So what I would do instead is to focus on the outreach piece. Um, and then when you're, you have like some, uh, when you can make it a priority to kind of move over to a more SEO friendly site like WordPress, if you can do it, or if not that, Squarespace. Um, then you can start to focus on the other pieces of SEO. Awesome. Thank you. No problem. Thank you for asking the question, Tricia. Sure. Okay, and I'm just going to check to see, sweep to see if we have any more questions coming in, and it looks like we don't. And we're starting to come close to the top of the hour. Uh, so I think we are going to start wrapping up this episode of Talking Shop. So, Liz, We've already talked about your fabulous program, which again I can vouch for. I can vouch for it. It's written for people like me who are a little intimidated. It's it's going to help you understand it. So where can people find you, Liz? Sure. So my online home is LizLacker.com, which is L-I-Z-L-O-C-K-A-R-D.com. Excellent. So. A little chit-chat here. Bree, what was your biggest takeaway from this episode? I really loved, Liz, how you brought up the evergreen quality of SEO. I think that that is so overlooked, and it was a really good reminder to me, you know, because I think when you're in the middle of, of you know, figuring out your keyword and, like, I'm checking off all the things on my Yoast, you know, for whatever I'm doing or, you know, reaching out to people – like, all of that feels like a lot of effort. And then, you know, even when I get the green light on Yoast or I get the yes from whoever I'm talking to, sometimes it's sort of like, oh, was it worth all of that? That was a lot. But I think it's so important to remember that SEO is the gift that keeps on giving. Um, <laughs> you know, I really loved what you said about this is not like a Facebook ad, which I've seen so many ads on Facebook talking about the brilliant sales funnel with the Facebook ads. It's, it's just like, I don't know, it's the season for it or something. Um, <laughs> but I, um, I, they're, they're like everywhere all of a sudden on my stream, and I'm just like, oh, what did I, what strange thing did I stumble into? But I really like how you just reminded us that, you know, this these steps are lasting, you know, and they and they actually, so it's an investment that, really continues to yield for you. And I think that that's really important because this stuff is intimidating. A lot of our people are not tech savvy and it's sort of like, oh, really, do I have to do this? But this is one of the small things that you can do that can just have long-term impact. And I think that's so important to remember. What about you, Teresa? What did you think? What was your favorite? Well, pretty much the same thing you did. And, and again, the the emphasis on the outreach and the content and writing for your ideal client, I, I think that's really important. And you know, it, it gets very, it gets very tempting to fiddle around with that Yoast SEO plugin <laughs> instead of thinking about, you know, what is it that people are, what are, what is it that people need from me? What is it that they want? Why, when they search for me, what are they looking for? 
So this, I think, is really sound, solid advice. So I love it, Liz. Well, thanks so much. Um, if anybody has any other questions, I'm very active on Twitter. I'm at Liz Lockard there, so feel free to hit me up there if you have anything else you want to ping my brain about. Right on. So toward the end of each episode, and Liz, we've got to include you on, in on this too, we love to share a few little fun tidbits, like books we're reading, the blogs we're really obsessed with, our favorite songs, TV shows, you know, food, all kinds of stuff like that. You know, just things that we think our listeners might enjoy discovering because, um, you know, you can't just be about business all the time, even though we do sometimes share <laughs> business-related recommendations here. <laughs> so, Liz, we're going to ask you first, uh, and then I'm going to go to you too, Bree. What's something that you've discovered recently or something that you've been loving lately, Liz? Um, I am really into these cookbooks that I got over the holidays. Um, they're Thug Kitchen ones. They're like vegan cooking, but they curse a lot, so it's kind of right up my alley. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, I love it. I love it. What about you, Bree? What's something that you're into lately? Oh, my goodness. You know, I finally caught up with Sherlock, right? The BBC with Benedict Cumberbatch. Oh, I love it. I love it. And, and, you know, I know it had, I mean, they had been released a while ago, I know, because I saw on social media, everybody's like, Um, But I was behind the times because I had other things going on. So I just marathoned them with my husband. They were so good. So, so okay. good. I love that show. My husband's a fan, too. He's really into Sherlock, big time. I love Sherlock. I love Sherlock. So what about you, Teresa? What is going on? What is the tarot lady obsessed with right now? Well, definitely not Sherlock. That's not my cup of tea. So uh, I have to admit, I'm I'm not into it. I sometimes get dragged into it. But what I'm obsessed <laughs> with is I'm taking this cooking class this weekend. Speaking of cooking, it's called Advanced Techniques for Adventurous Cooks, and I'm going to be learning how to work with a pressure Ooh. cooker and a sous vide. Yes, and a smoker. But I'm really excited about the pressure cooker because. When I was a kid growing up, my mom always said that, oh, my God, don't use a pressure cooker. You're going to blow your head off. So I've always been really yes. scared to use one, and now here's this class. So I'm completely obsessed. I've been scanning um, slow cook, uh, not slow cookers, uh, pressure cookers online and putting a bunch of, um, bunch of notes and research because if this class goes well, I might be getting a pressure cooker. And you'll be ready to compete on all those uh, cooking competition shows. I feel like they're always using the pressure cookers. <laughs> and the sous beads and all those fancy things. I want to learn how to use all this stuff. Right, right. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So last but not least, as always, we do a few announcements. So, Teresa, is there anything you want our listeners to know about that's happening in your business world, upcoming classes or new projects or new adventures? Yeah, absolutely. I am going to be doing a tarot and wine event in April in Milwaukee. Um, it's not tarot reading. I'm going to be doing it's, – it's going to be a class where you are going to get the basics on how to read tarot. There's going to be wine and nibbles and a book signing. That is going to be on Thursday, April, um, April uh, 13th. And also, I'm going to be at Namaste Bookstore 
in New York City on April 27th, and I'm going to be doing another beginner's workshop there. So those are the two big things I have coming up right now. Uh, what about you, Bree? Anything exciting? Um, I am, yes, there, there, there are many exciting things, but the one that I'm really focused on right now is next Wednesday I will be teaching a three-hour intensive. It's virtual, so I'll be doing it over the phone on a sacred arts approach to the body. So we'll be talking mm-hmm. about the role of the physical body in our sacred practices because I think that it often gets left out or eclipsed or just really lots of confusion around the physical body. And so I will be working on that and teaching. And the class is already full of awesome people, but I'm very excited about it. It's something I've wanted to do for a long time. Right on. And Liz, when is your class going to open the doors next? Uh, In May. I'm not sure exactly when, but definitely in May. All right. So people for... Those of you who are listening, you want to go to LizLockard.com and keep an eye on her site. Sign up for her newsletter. It's awesome. And just keep an eye for that class because I do highly recommend it. It's going to really spell everything out clearly and take away the intimidation factor so you can begin getting Google-friendly. And before we sign off, just a happy reminder, if you love Talking Shop, don't forget that you can listen to all of the previous shows for free by visiting the Talking Shop archives. On my site, you can go to thetarolady.com, and you want to click on the tab called Free Resources. Hop on down to Talking Shop, and you'll find all the jazz there. And don't forget also, if you love this podcast, please give it a good review on iTunes, because this will help more mystical entrepreneurs find their way to Talking Shop. And um, Bree, where can they find the archives on your site? So if you go to briannasafi.com, you will see a tab called Books and Resources. If you click on that, you will find both the current Talking Shop show and the archive. Okay, folks. Oh, and I've the... also – Oops, go ahead. I just wanted to say I've, I've also started a wrap and review blog series for Talking Shop. So I will have – I will do one for this show in the next couple of days, and I'll let you guys know when it's up. Sweet. All right, so that is a wrap for this episode. And Bree, what about next month? Oh, next month we are going to be chatting about more tech stuff. I know, I know, but this is so important, you guys, with the brains behind the Clarity Lab. So that is Forrest London and Chris Blale. And that show will air on Wednesday, April 19th. So until then, you can find me at briannasoffy.com. And you can find me, Teresa, at thetarolady.com. I want to thank Liz for being here with us today. Thank you, Liz. Thanks so much for having me. And thanks to everyone for listening. And remember to keep on taking action to build a mystical business of your dreams. And stay in the grind. Make it a great month. We know that you will. Good night. <laughs>